I invite you to turn again to John chapter 8 as we continue in this great, great gospel talking about the lordship of Christ and the deity of Christ and the reality of who he is. It seems a little strange at times when I'm preparing the sermon for this week and then next week and coming off of last week that it seems like they sound a lot alike. Because what Jesus is doing here and what John is doing here is he's building this case so airtight. He's building this case so clear that this is, this is the one who came from God. This is the one who is the very God incarnate. This is the one who is the Son of God. This is God in the flesh. And, and John is using the words of Jesus to build that case and, and, and surmount his evidence in a very clear way so that nobody misunderstands. We live in a day of, of great confusion. We live in a day where people say, well, you know, we, we just can't buy the fact that Jesus is the only way. We, we just can't buy the fact that, that he's more important than any other religious leader. I, I'm here to tell you, you got to buy that fact because that fact is reality. There is no one like Christ. There is no one who was in the beginning with the Father. There's no one who was the Word of God at creation and through Him and by Him and for Him was everything created that was created. There is no one like this one Jesus. And what He says about Himself is absolutely true. What He says about Himself is what we must look at and must focus on. Now, I know we live in a very tolerant society, although today tolerance doesn't mean tolerance. It means acquiescence. It means approval of. It doesn't mean tolerance. I'm a very tolerant person. If you want to be wrong, I give you the freedom to be wrong about anything, religious or otherwise. I mean, that is, that's your right as a human being. That's your human right to be wrong. If you, but that doesn't mean I'm going to say, hey, but in your wrongness, you're all right, because that's not true. To look at somebody and say, well, you know, I really love you so much that I'm just not going to tell you what I believe to be the truth of God about Jesus Christ. I'm just going to let you go on in what I believe is an error because I love you so much I don't want to upset you about it. Friend, if what we are saying is true, if what John is saying is true, if what Jesus is saying is true, it is the most unloving, ungodly thing in all the world you can do to somebody to just let them continue on in their ignorance, continue on in their error, and not speak to them the truth. Truth, truth speaking is a very loving thing, although it may go against what some people want to hear and what they like hearing. And that's what Jesus is doing here in the, in the temple. Remember, he's at the, we're still at the Feast of Tabernacles. It only lasted a week for them in that day, but it's lasted about two months for us. But, but we're, we're still in the, at the Feast of the Tabernacles in the temple, and Jesus is speaking truth and speaking directly to the masses, as well as to those religious leaders who have gathered around to see what this man is all about. Follow along as I begin reading again in verse 31. For the last two weeks, we've covered verses 31, 32, and 33. I promise you, we're going much further today. Follow along. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, verse 30 said, some, many came to believe in him. 
Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And Jesus answered, or excuse me, they answered Jesus and said to him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. I had, I had Scott read that passage for our scripture reading out of Romans chapter 3. The picture of absolute slavery to sin is in those verses. That's what Paul is doing there. He's building that case there about the absolute confines, the absolute prison, the absolute slavery of sin. When, when Scott came down and sat down, I said, well, good, I'm, I wanted you to read that. You've given them the negative. Now maybe I can give them some positive to follow that up. He said, listen, anyone who commits sin, continues committing, walks in, dwells in sin, is a slave to that sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, and yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, and Abraham, this Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication. There's a little jab there we'll talk about in a minute. We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Can you hear the piousness? Can you hear the... The religiosity, just we, we're not born of fornication like some people we may know. We have one Father, it's God. Jesus said to them, if God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come down on my own initiative, but He sent me. Why do you not understand that I, what I am saying? Is it because you cannot hear my word? Is it because you cannot hear my word? What you are of your father, the devil. Ooh, I think that didn't sting. You are of your father, the devil, and and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. And, And he said, you want to kill me. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is born of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God.
For this reason, you don't hear the words of God because you are not of God. Let me tell you, when, when Jesus is standing in that courtyard in the temple and he's speaking to those who have gathered around, he's speaking to those Jewish leaders who are, are boldly proclaiming, and probably some of the ones who follow him. We're probably seeing here also a little bit of the rocky soil type of experience here. You know, they, they believed with a crowd, and then it got a little difficult when he said, you know, I come from my father, but you're not obeying your father. You're, you don't have the same father I have. And they start doing a little argument with him. They start saying, wait a minute, you're, you're getting hard again. This is like you did earlier. Everything was going along great. You fed 5,000 people, and you fed them, and their bellies were filled, and many followed and said, we want to follow you. We want to believe in you. And then you turned to us, and you said, well, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you can't be my disciples. And they said, well, that's too hard. And here they're saying, now, now you come along, and, and everything's going well. We believed you after you spoke that first uh, discourse in the, ta- in, the, in the temple. You, you told us who you were. You told us you were light of the world. You told us, and we liked hearing that. You told us you didn't do anything on your own initiative, but you spoke the things the Father taught you. That sounds good. And, he, he, and when you said all those nice things, we believed it. And we believed that you had something to say. But now, but now you say that if we're not continuing in your word, then we're, we, we need to be set free. We're slaves. Well, we're not slaves. We're, we're the sons of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anybody. And as I said a week or so ago, I, I wonder what all those Roman soldiers were doing surrounding the temple to be sure they didn't get out of hand. I wonder why it was that when it came time to crucify Christ and the religious leaders wanted him dead, they wanted him on the cross, they couldn't put him there. They had to get the permission of the occupying forces, the occupying government, Rome, who had them under subjection, and why they had to go to them and say, listen, we really want this man dead. We can't do it, but you have to do it for us. And they did. I mean, why is it that they would say, well, we're not, we're not slaves of anybody. I dare say if you walk outside this building tomorrow at work or wherever you go and you, you look at somebody and say, you know, you, you need to know the truth so the truth can set you free. What do you mean free? I'm an American. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm a free man. I, I've been free all my life and all my relatives, all my families have been free. Why? Why, we have the Declaration of Independence that gives us freedom, and, and we have the Constitution that guarantees our freedoms along with the Bill of Rights. Why, we are a free people. What do you mean we need to be free? We've never been occupied by anyone, anyone since we broke that uh, little deal with, with King, the King of England. Jesus would look at our generation and say, you just don't get it. I'm not talking about political freedom. I'm not talking about economic freedom. I'm not talking about the freedom to be able to move around and have the job you want and, and marry the person you want and, 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 and not have to go and get the government's permission. I'm not talking about that kind of freedom. I'm talking about the freedom that you've never experienced if you're not in Christ. I'm talking about the freedom that, that is freedom from the bondage of sin because everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. I remember reading years ago from one writer, I forget who it was exactly, but he made this simple statement. He said, no amount of contrary evidence 
ever seems to disturb humanity's good opinion of itself. No amount of evidence to the contrary ever seems to disturb humanity's good opinion of itself. That's what these people were saying. They were saying, hey, we're good folks. We're descendants of Abraham. Remember Abraham, Jesus? You all know about Abraham. You're, you're a Jew also. Abraham is our father. Abraham is the father of our, of our nation. He's the father of our religion. He is the father of, of who we are. Our whole identity is wrapped up in Abraham. Don't you remember Jesus, who Abraham is? We're his descendants. You say, oh, I, I know that. <laughs> sure, I understand it that you're a descendant of Abraham. I know, in verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, and yet you seek to kill me. You you want to destroy me. Remember, they've they've already talked about this. They said in verse 25 of chapter 7, he said, uh, some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? Rumblings already. His time hadn't come yet, but there are rumblings already. This is the man has got this man has got to be put to death. There is no other option from their viewpoint. And he says, sure, I know you're, you're Abraham's descendants. I mean, I know what your, your your heritage is, I know what your pedigree is, but I want you to understand that Abraham would not be seeking to, to kill me, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. My word will not be heard by you. But I tell you what, while the slave doesn't remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, if the son makes you free, you're going to be really free. And I'm not talking about a bill of rights. I'm not talking about a declaration of independence. I'm talking about the reality of freedom that comes from walking and knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. I'm talking about the kind of freedom that, that breaks the chains. We, we sang last Sunday... Amazing grace, my chains are gone. I'm talking about the kind of freedom that takes those chains and breaks them and sets you free from those chains. He said in verse 38, I I speak what I've seen with my Father, and, and you speak and do the things which you heard from your Father. And, and they, they want to they they fight with him. Abraham's our father. We're, 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 Abraham is one, we have one father, God. Abraham's our father. God's our father. I mean, they're, they're debating this back and forth. But he says, but you're trying to kill me. And if, if Abraham would not do this. You see the debate taking place there in the temple. He said in verse 41, I love this. We were not born of fornication. What do you think they're saying there? You know, we've heard rumors about your birth, Jesus. We know that Joseph and Mary weren't married when you were conceived. We know that they were betrothed, and, and yet Joseph was a good man, and he didn't do what he could have done. He could have cast Mary out, and had, but he was a good man. But, you know, something happened before they were married, before they came together in, in, a, in a marital sort of way. We weren't born of fornication, but we're not so sure about you. That's what they're saying. They're saying, how can you claim that God is your father if, if you were born 
in that kind of circumstance. He said, listen, you just don't get it. If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceed for him and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me here. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? Is it because you can't hear my word? He's not talking about can't hear it with these ears. Sure, they heard what he was saying. He was talking about hearing it with faith, hearing it with reality. He said, you can't understand. You can't hear my word. And the reason is, is because you're too busy listening to your father, the devil, Satan, the enemy, the accuser, the one who sought for my life to be ended when I was just a baby, the one who, who took me out in the wilderness and thought he could tempt me into denying God and following him. I mean, he's the liar, he's the murderer, has been from the very beginning, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, when he looked at Eve and said, Eve, as God said, you can't have any of this fruit? No, just this one tree. Oh, well, you know why I don't want you having that tree? It's because if you eat of that tree, you're going to be just like him. And then Cain and Abel, and he got involved in that. And the brother, brother slew brother, killed brother, murdered brother. Satan is always behind lies, and Satan is always behind and involved in murder. Because that's his very nature. And that's what Jesus is wanting us to see here. And he's saying anyone who has not been set free by the truth of Christ... Anyone who has not been set free by Christ himself, who is still dwelling in sin, who is still living in sin, who is still described more by Romans chapter 3 that Scott read earlier than by one who has been set free, not living a perfect life, not living without sin. There's still a struggle there. But one who has been set free to the point that they're not continually abiding in, in pervasive sin in their life. hadn't been set free. They're slaves. Slaves to the sin that they love. See, our problem is if we haven't been set free in Christ, we love our sin. Our, our sin is just so important to us. And, and we may try to hide it, and we may try to act like it's not really there. I mean, when we come to church, we put on our best clothes, and we you know, we, we kind of spiffy up a bit. We always carry our Bible. May not even open it during the week. It may lay on our end table or bedside table. But, but when we come to church, we've got our Bible. The bigger, the better. You know? When Monday through Saturday, there is a pervasive, ongoing sin. It might be the way you treat your spouse. It might be the way you treat your boyfriend or girlfriend. It might be that, that you are so caught up in lust that that drives your life and you want to come and look like a great Christian on Sunday, but you're so captivated by sin during the course of the week. And Jesus is saying, listen, you need to be set free from that. And I, I, Jesus speaking, I am the only one that can set you free. Your, your morality can't. You'll always be like, uh, like this person said, no amount of contrary evidence. You'll still have a good opinion of yourself. Oh, I'm really a good person. I just struggle with this. Then take it to Christ. Believe his word. Believe in him. Trust in him. 
You say, but I've, you know, I come from a good family. My mom and dad are real active. And they're really godly folks. And I really, I've got a good, I've got good descendants. These folks had good descendants. Abraham, we're told, believed God. It was a matter of faith. If you read Romans 2, 28 and 29, just listen right now. Paul said, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, that is, born that way, nor is circumcision a religious ritual, that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. Paul says, listen, I want you to understand something. Your relationship with God is not determined by what's outside, but what's inside. It's not determined by going through religious rituals. It's determined by faith in Christ and that alone. Or or what Paul said to the Galatians. He said, even so, Abraham believed God, had faith in God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. It it was added to his account. He was credited with righteousness, not because Abraham was a righteous man, but because Abraham trusted God. Trusted God's word, trusted God's truth, trusted his word. And Jesus is his word. Or James in, 20, in 2.23 where James said, And the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, again had faith in God, and it was reckoned to him as righteous, and he was called the friend of God. James quoting the same thing Paul did in Galatians out of the, out of the Old Testament, out of Genesis. It was It was reckoned to him because he believed God. Or Paul in Romans 9, where Paul says, But it is not through the word, it is not as though the word of God has failed. For they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac your descendants will be named, the Scripture says. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise uh, are regarded as descendants. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebekah also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac, For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, works, but because of him, God, who calls, it was said of her, the older will serve the younger, just as is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. In each of those passages, Paul and James are interpreting what Jesus is saying to those in the temple at the Feast of Tabernacles right here. He's saying, listen, you know the truth. If you you abide in my word, and my word abides in you, if you continue in my word, if it's more than just a, a happy feeling you have, then you will be set free. Jesus is making very clear here three things. Take these and we're done. He's making very clear that this freedom is a gift, not a pedigree. It's a gift from God, through, by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. It's not inherited. 
These Jewish people didn't get it from Abraham. The only way they could get it is as a gift from God on the basis of faith in the Word of God, Jesus Christ himself. Remember in 31 and 32 when Jesus said, Abide in my Word, continue in my Word, and you're truly my disciples. And we talked about the Word is everything that he says It's not just his words, it's his body of truth. And that body of truth is embodied in him. That's where real freedom is found. Not in a pedigree, not by inheritance of the flesh, but by the Spirit doing a work in your life as a gift of God. This freedom cannot be had from our religious background a succession of race or family, or from anything inherent in ourselves, it is given personally by Jesus himself. The truth. The truth will set you free. Secondly, it's eternal. It's not temporal. He says in verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house, but the son does remain forever. And if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. If you're a slave to sin and a slave to self, and if Satan is your father, you may have a, you may have a very religious experience. You may look very religious. But if that's where you are and you've not been set free by the son, it's just a temporal thing that will die quickly. But the Son remains forever, and if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And then there's a third thing. This freedom is expressed in obedience, not in independence. It's expressed in obedience not in independence. You know, we, we think about freedom in our day, and, and this is what we think about, and we talked about this last week a bit, libertarian freedom. Oh, I'm free because nobody can tell me what to do. I, I grew up, I grew I was a college student in the 60s. Well, just one year in the 60s. Well, really, I was a college student in the 60s just for one semester. Then it became the 70s. But but I'm a product of the 60s. I'm a, I'm a child of the 60s. I, you know, I, I grew up on, well, there's still no better music than 60s music, but that's, that's another matter to be debated later. But, but the, the point is, I, I grew up with all this, hey, real freedom is absolute, total disregard for any authority. I remember standing on the campus of the University of Alabama, and most of you are too young, you don't even know what this name is, and hearing Abby Hoffman speak. And Abby Hoffman saying, break off the, sham, uh, uh, the, uh, the chains, break off the shackles of, of this uh, um, imperial thing that's holding you down. Don't go to class. Don't go, to, don't go take your final exams. And let's go out and burn a building. And they did. I didn't. And I did get out of my final exams that semester, the second, first semester of the 70s, because they burned down three buildings on campus. And they just sent us all home. I needed those finals that semester. But that. But we have this idea that freedom is libertarian. Freedom is nobody telling us what to do. Freedom is nobody directing us. Freedom is just, just you know, doing my own thing. And Jesus is saying here, let me tell you something. Just doing your own thing 
is the most binding slavery that there ever was. We don't need, as Christians, a declaration of independence. We need a declaration of dependence on Him. Because this freedom is expressed in obedience. Now, it's not a legalistic obedience. It's not a saying, okay, i got to come up with a bunch of do's and don'ts, and whether Christ said them or not, I just, I'm going to do it and try to look holy. I'm going to be self-righteous. That's not it at all. It's being obedient to Him in His Word, through His Word, as the Holy Spirit empowers us to be obedient. It, it means growing in Him. It means becoming like Him. It means having... What Paul talks about in Galatians when he says, here are the deeds of the flesh, and here's the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not something you say, mm, man, I really, need to, I really need to go out and try to do this love thing, or I need to go out and try to do this kindness thing, or I really need to grit my teeth and have this self-control. It's not it at all. You can't do it. I can't do it. But if you continue in my word and you're my disciples, you will know the truth, not legalism and not licentiousness. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You will no longer have the devil as your father. You will have God as your father. You'll have me as your brother. You'll have the spirit as your empowerment. You will walk in truth and walk in light and walk with no hunger. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I am the light that will direct you. Are you free? I, I can't answer that for any of you. I can only answer that for myself. Are you free? Are you think you're free because you're religious? Boy, let me tell you something. These Pharisees had you beat there, and they were in bondage. You think you're free because mom and dad were good Christians, or my great-grandfather was a Baptist preacher, and I'm just still living on that and trusting in that? Friend, you're trusting in the wrong thing. Well, you know, I raised my hand one time, and I walked an aisle, and I signed a card, and I even went through baptismal waters, and so I just put my trust in what I've done. Well, pfft. let me tell you something. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he has done and about what he is doing in your life now. When I ask people to share their testimony in, in membership interviews, and, and some of you need to have one of those membership interviews, just as an aside here. I won't go there right now. But... But when I have a membership interview with somebody or, or one of the other pastors do, you know, we say, share your testimony. But I don't ask it like that. I say, tell me how you came to know Christ and what Christ is doing in your life right now. It, it really doesn't matter that, oh, well, when I was 12 years old, I joined the church and was baptized. Okay? You ain't got any more than that, folks. You need to evaluate some things. I'm just being honest here. If all you can say is, well, I can go back and I can point to the day, the hour, and the place, 
And since that day, hour, and place, nothing significant has happened in my walk with Christ, my relationship with Christ, my worship of Christ. It's just sort of been routine and rote. Then there's a problem there. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you know the truth, he will give you light to walk in. He will give you spiritual bread to eat. He will give you living water to drink. If you know the truth, he will guide your life. You see, I can hear what some of you say right now. You mean he'll guide me and he'll make me do things I don't want to do? Not really. Remember Dr. Dr. Hunt, T.W. Hunt. I was a music professor at Southwestern Seminary, and I had T.W., and I've had him in my church to do Bible conferences before. It's amazing to have a Bible professor do Bible conferences, but it works with some of them. And uh, I thought I'd get some booze from the music there, but it, 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 we had T.W. in. T.W. used to say, here's what happens. God doesn't force you to do anything. Christ doesn't force you to do anything. But he changes your wanter. He, he, he guides you, and he changes your wanter. What does that mean? Changes your desires. Remember the psalmist? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. A lot of people look at that and say, wow, if I trust in God, he's got to give me anything I want. That's not what he says. He said, if you're delighting in Christ... If you're delighting in the Lord, if He is your light and your life, if you're, if you're in His truth and in His Word and you're abiding in that Word, you're delighting in Christ, He will give you the desires that you need to live life. He will give you the right desires in your life. So I ask you, are you a slave? Are you a slave to sin? Who's your father? Who's your father? Not because of some heritage or some pedigree or some religious activity. But because of where your real trust is. Where your real faith is. I just want to tell you, I'm here. I I invite you today, if you're, you're here... And you say, man, I've been depending on myself. <laughs> depending on what I've done and what I can do, and I've just, mm, I've blown it. I invite you to Christ. Not to the church, not to Grace, not to Bill Haynes. I mean, I think this is a pretty good place to plant your life and your ministry. But listen, that's, that's secondary. The important thing is I invite you to Christ. And right where you sit, you can say, Lord, I've blown it. And I sense by your Holy Spirit that, that you're, you're showing me that. And Lord, I, I put my trust in you alone. And I want to abide in your word alone. And then be obedient in baptism. Then be obedient in church membership, being a part of a covenant family for encouragement and for growth. Like we do with so many things, though, we kind of try to do it in reverse, don't we? And we never get around to what's really important. You, you see, if we, if we do this reverse and we just join a church and get baptized and 
it's nothing but getting wet, we probably never get around to really realizing that we need Christ because we say, oh, we've done everything. And that's to be symbolic of what has happened when Christ really is ruling in your life. I invite you to Christ. I invite you to trust him right where you sit and where you stand in just a minute. I invite you to recognize the words of the song we're going to sing in a moment. A debtor to mercy alone. We're a debtor to his mercy and his grace if we're in Christ. For that we should praise him and be grateful and rejoice. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that if there are men, women, young people in this building this morning that are are enslaved to sin, that you will set them free. I pray, O oh Lord, that your gift of grace and your gift of life would become a reality to them today. Father, I pray you do your work. I, I think of the, of the life story I've read about just this week of Rosera Butterfield, enslaved to horrendous sin. No worse sin than our sin, but horrendous sin. And you set her free. Father, do your work in our lives this morning. Even we who know you, Cleanse us again. Renew us again. And draw near to us. And draw us near to you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.